This is Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 239. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Here at Restaurant Unstoppable, we're always gathering advice on how to get that initial capital to open a restaurant. And the answer, more often than others, is get a solid business plan put together. But sometimes we have no experience on how to do that. We don't even know what a solid business plan looks like. It can be intimidating. It can actually be downright scary. But it doesn't have to be with Live Plan. To learn more, head over to www.liveplan.com slash unstoppable. Again, that's www.liveplan.com forward slash unstoppable. So with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jim Palmer. Jim, you better tell me you're feeling unstoppable today. I'm born unstoppable. Uh, yes, that is what I like to hear. So Jim Palmer is a marketing and business building expert and in-demand coach. He is the founder of Dream Business Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. Jim is the host of Dream Business Coach TV, the hit weekly web TV show watched by thousands of entrepreneurs and small business owners, and he is also the host of of Stick Like Glue Radio, a weekly podcast based on Jim's unique brand of smart marketing and business building strategies. And you can find all of his work at getjimpalmer.com. So this is just a huge aerial view of who you are, Jim, what you've accomplished and uh, what you're doing. I like to start every interview off with a, a success quote or mantra to get that motivational ball rolling. So what do you have for us today? I tell all my coaching clients, Eric, gross is for vanity, but net is for sanity. Mm. <laughs> you know, a lot of times what happens is people are bragging, oh, I got a seven-figure business or I do million-dollar launches. And then they, t- in the online world, for instance, they take out all the affiliate commissions, they back out all of and then they make like a hundred bucks. <laughs> so <laughs> gross is, is for vanity. That's what you brag about. But net what you get to keep, invest, and share, and and pay forward, and grow your business—that's that's where you get your sanity from. Absolutely, and I think that's really important for the restaurant professional because the margins are so small. Like, what can you do to close those gaps, uh, to increase your margins, and be as efficient and, and as effective as possible, so uh, you can keep your sanity, like you say. So, great way to start this interview off. Um, I gave the, the listeners just an aerial view of who you are, what you got going on, but why don't you just dive in a little deeper? to let us know what, you know, or who Jim Palmer is and what you're all about. Well, I was uh, 41 years old. I I had a dream when I uh, started working. I started working at 15, but then I got married at 21, started having first of four kids at 23. So I was the worker bee, and I had a dream of being a VP by the time I was 40 for no other reason other than ego, I guess, (laughs) or just to say I did it. But um, I made that, and then a year later, my job was eliminated. And at the time, I had four teenagers still at home, so I thought my entrepreneurial dreams weren't going to happen just yet. So I, I set out Eric to uh, find my next big job that took 15 months and actually didn't take 15 months it never happened 12 months into that 15 month journey I I had uh, cancer and um, so that is what I I describe as my 15 month season of crises but 
you know, when you get to a really low point in your life, the only the only way you can go is up. So um, from there, I decided to start my business October 2001. So I'm coming up on 15 years this year. Wow. Um, I'll fast forward real quick just for the sake of time. But five years later, I had a multiple six-figure business making good money again. But I discovered a problem when my wife, Stephanie, asked me, hey, when are we going on vacation again? We haven't <laughs> been on vacation since before you lost your job and all the lean years and after starting the business. And it was at that moment, Eric, and I'm sure a, a lot of your, your restaurateurs can appreciate this. I was just chained to my business. Mm. If, if, if I thought of going away for a week or 10 days, I don't know what was going to happen to the business because I did everything. And at that point in 2005, 2006, I started reinventing myself. I started learning about internet marketing and, and uh, direct response marketing, leverage. And that's when I created my first online business called No Hassle Newsletters. Today, I have um, five internet businesses and I run a coaching program. And as you said, I do live events. So I I've, I've not only have financial freedom, but time freedom. And that's kind of the best description of what a dream business is in my view. Absolutely. And um, I really wanted to pick your your brain on marketing. I feel like you have so much knowledge in that topic, but you just said something that really caught my attention. I think we should go here just because it's totally worth it. You said you broke uh, the chains. So how, how did you break those chains? I think that's something that any restaurant owner can resonate with uh, or dreams of possibly doing someday is breaking those chains where they don't have to be in their restaurant all the time. And we should want to be there if we are in this industry for the right reasons. Uh, but sometimes we do want to get a vacation or go do something that's important to us. So how did you break the chains and what advice do you have for doing that? In 2005, you know, so I had been in business uh, prior to becoming an entrepreneur for years, and I kind of followed the normal small business route. That's what a lot of people do. But then I, I started re-educating myself. I got I discovered Dan Kennedy, who's a phenomenal marketer and businessman. I think that's when I first read Think and Grow Rich, New Psycho-Cybernetics, The Magic of Believing, all these mindset books, mm-hmm. because as I tell people, you can learn any skill you want. You can you can just take your talent and, and multiply it. You can become the, a better chef, a better leader, a better manager. But if your own mindset, what's going on upstairs above your uh, above your neck, so to speak, if that's not tuned to success, then you're going to be short circuiting your success. So I really went to work on my mind when that's when I discovered you know the power of leverage and I started learning about multiple streams of revenue. You know, I, I in one of my books and I've done a video on this I say uh, entrepreneurs and small business owners and somebody was interviewing me several years ago and said well you all, you say entrepreneurs and small business owners aren't they the same and I said well they could be but they're often not mm-hmm. I think uh, a small business owner I think most restaurateurs are small business owners in other words if they want to grow their their income increase their revenue and, and hopefully increase their profits they have to keep getting more people into the restaurant and, and more repeat business. So it's all about selling more of what you sell. And if you're a jeweler, it's more jewelry. So it's all about sales, right? Mm-hmm. That's what a small business owner does. We need more, we need more revenue. We got to get more customers. An entrepreneur is more focused on wealth creation and therefore open to other streams of revenue. Well, what does that look like for a restaurateur? Let's say you have a, let's say you open up a, uh, a, a pretty cool barbecue joint. My wife, Stephanie, I love barbecue. We were just down in Virginia, had some amazing barbecue at a very tiny place. So let's say this really small, they just got the formula down, the, the atmosphere, everything. 
They could, they could only pack so many people into those tables. The lines are only going to wait so long. So what do you do? If you're a small business owner mindset, you're going to open up additional locations. That's what I learned. I was in franchising for a while, Eric. But the other thing you could do if you're an entrepreneur is say, well, why don't I write a book? Why don't I uh, become a mentor or offer a home study course on how new restaurateurs can do what I did? Just using, using my mindset, not necessarily my recipes because, I mean, it's not – well, I'll probably catch hell for this. It's not that hard to create great barbecue. I mean, you could have great barbecue, you know what I mean? But it's really more about what do you do uh, to create additional revenue streams without opening additional locations mm-hmm. if if that's something you're opposed to. So, no, it, I'm just going to stop you right there because listening to you talk, it reminds me so much of what I see my successful guests, my successful restaurateurs on the show do. Uh, they They do open other locations, but they do it in a way that they're helping somebody else it's almost like a passive income because they've learned what it takes to become successful and they have, they develop these people underneath them who learn and they mentor these people and then they provide opportunity to the other person and say, Hey, you got what it takes. You're, you're driven, you're passionate, you're skilled. You have what it takes. I know you're going to leave me. I might as well invest in you and help you develop your concept and coach you through it. And in a way that kind of, I think it, it might be a twist to your words of, you know, finding like you're, you're coaching somebody through the process. You're, you're sharing with them what it took, what you did to be successful, but now you're doing it in a way where you're investing it in human equity. Uh, what do you think about that? I think it's awesome. And you know what else is cool about that mindset is if you're willing to invest in other people, in other words, there's people that have a kind of a closed small world mindset, like I'm not going to help somebody else that will take from me. Mm-hmm. And then people have a big view, a big worldview and say, well, there's plenty of hungry people. Let me help other people. Let me let me give you an example. Let's say that restaurateur that we visited this weekend, let's say he maxes out about a million bucks a year or whatever, because he just can't can't cannot feed more people through that little place. Mm-hmm. And he goes, but but I've got something really cool. In other words, I've got a, a, a business that I estimated was about a thousand square feet. And let's say he does a million dollars a year. <clears throat> the first book I would write if I was him, how I, how I did a million dollars in less than a, th- a thousand square feet in 24 months. And here's how you can do it too. Mm-hmm. That would be the beginning, right? Now let's say becoming an author, becoming a well-known, successful restaurateur, what's that going to do? That's going to give you prominence. It's going to give you celebrity expertise within your niche. So let's say you, you did a mentor program and you know you could mentor for free, but you could also start a, a virtual coaching program. Let's say you charge four ninety seven a month and, and you got even just, I don't know, 20 people in there, that's 120,000 bucks a year, my friend. Yeah. And that's, that's net, right? Because yeah. it's no cost of goods sold. So simply by running a coaching program every month for 20 people, you could add six figures to your take home. Yeah, exactly. And just there's so much to be taken or to learn from just developing multiple channels of revenue in our business. And I think we can do it either, you know, whether it's coaching or consulting, like doing it in a way that takes what we already know and just shares it with other people. And I know you're a huge advocate of the go-giver mentality of just, uh, you know, to get forward. It's not about taking, it's not about go-getting, but it's a, it's about helping other people. And the more you give, the more you get back in your life. Um, I'm not going to lie. I just lost my train of thought. But uh, do you want to speak anything to that? Yeah. Well, it's funny you say the go-giver. I'm good, good friends with Bob Berg, the co-author. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, he's going to be my uh, celebrity speaker at my next event. <laughs> so I'm really jazzed about that. He's an, he's an amazing guy. But it really is about um, serving others first. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting because um, I, I just did a six, an audio book called Serve First. But in the restaurant business, that's what you're doing. You're serving. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> I was telling somebody the other day, Eric, about um, customer service and 
I think it was one of my own coaching clients who's not in the restaurant business, but she was actually uh, complaining, whining a little bit, but it's okay because you're in a safe zone when you're working with a coach. <laughs> but she was whining about my term whining, by the way, and I'll never identify it because it'll kill me, but, you know, about how busy she was. Mm-hmm. And I had to remind her that six months ago, you were not busy. And, you know, I say, Stephanie and I, for, for most of our adult life, when we had the kids and we're really bootstrapping it, we didn't go out to eat much. Mm-hmm. We're making up for that in a big way. We go out once, twice a week, all the time, three times a week. And I go into the, our, our, our mantra is we go into non-chain restaurants. So we like to go to local places, right? Yeah. There's this one place we went to about uh, a year ago, and it was fairly new, so we went to try it out. It was it was good, but I could look over. I'm very observant, so I'm eating my meal, but I'm looking at the owner over there. He's like biting his nails, wondering was there more people going to come in, and you know. And then we went there again um, just a few months ago, and the place was really busy. I said, "Oh, good, word's getting around." But the owner and his wife, and their and it was kind of a small place, and I couldn't tell if they're their kids or just wait staff, whatever. They were frantic. Their their face looked like, holy crap, how are we going to get through this night? Yeah. And I'm thinking, geez, you know, a year ago, you were like killing yourself <laughs> for another table to be yeah. filled. Now it looks like your worst nightmare. And, you you know, what are you going to do? Mm. You know, be care- it's I think be careful what you pray for because it may, you may get it. So what are you going to do for that person that you just painted a beautiful picture for us, Jim? Like, for that person that might be listening and saying, oh, my God, that's me. Like, what what do you do? Well, you know, there comes a point, and I realize when you start a business, everybody's bootstrapping. It means you're wearing a lot of hats. As your business cash flow takes hold, you have to realize what is my gift? What is my strength? So I would venture to say that owner that I was watching, his strength is not leading people and, you know, being a good maitre d' because somebody walks in, their first experience is, yes, yes, okay, we're, we're going to be half an hour. Get, do you mind waiting? I mean, it's like, that's, people come for, they, yeah. restaurateurs think people come for food. They come for an experience. They come to be taken care of, right? Yep. Um, so what I would say is if he's a good cook, put him in the back. If he's a good marketer, put him in the back and keep growing and find and put somebody in that position who can totally rock with the waves, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? When it's choppy waters and nothing, nothing, it's like, oh, thanks for coming in. We are packed as you can see, <laughs> but we're going to give you an outstanding meal. Would you, would you mind? We're going to be about 15, 20. I mean, that's what you do. Yeah. You got to recognize where you're skilled. A lot of people say, well, you got to focus on your strengths and work on your, work on your, uh, you know, your, your crappy points. Well, the hell with your crappy uh, yeah. points. You'll never fix those. Recognize that they're crappy and realize that those aren't like, where you should be focusing. Get somebody else to do that and just like you said focus on what you do best and it reminds me so much i, I bring it up jim um sullivan says this in good to great i believe is the book he mentions in it but it's getting people on your bus and putting them in the right seat on your bus and it brings me to Octo- octavio mantilla's words you can accomplish anything in life if you don't mind who gets the credit and it's all about yeah. just knowing the strengths being a successful restaurateur is about seeing the strengths and the passions and the abilities and other and putting them on the in the right place in your restaurant and just steering the ship and being that person who you know knows where we have to go and getting everybody on board to get us there um and i'm hearing that come with you and these lessons can be applied no matter what industry you're in which is uh really just awesome powerful stuff but let's talk about retention you wrote this book uh stick like glue and i think we can you know it, sometimes we focus on trying to get new customers but really where the money is 20 percent of our 
you know, 80% of our revenue, our profit comes from 20% of our customers. So if we can increase that number, say from 20% to 25%, we can increase profit by like 100%. So talk to us about retention and how we can get people to, to stick like glue in our restaurants. It's a really important point. You know, back in um, <clears throat> back in the day when I was in school, it used to say it costs on average five to eight times more to get a new client or patient than a than a uh, or customer than than to keep one you have. I think it's ten or fifteen times yeah. now, to be honest with oh, you. Yes. And um, here's the thing: most people, and I'll just use generic and not just uh, customer. Let's say when you get a new customer in your business. I envision the owner rings a bell, ding, ding, ding. We got a new customer. Yes. The next thing they do is they go right back to the drawing board and try and find another new one. Let's get another new. What you just got there, you you actually just, if you think about it, you purchased an asset. Whether you purchased it from your marketing or whether you purchased it by giving great service and somebody referred them, you have a little asset. And what you got to do is you got to maximize the profitability of each and every client relationship you have. There's, there's, here's a really simple way because I'm a visual guy, Eric. So if you were to take an Excel spreadsheet and down the, uh, down the left hand column one, you list all your customers by name. So, you know, John Adams all the way down to Frank Zappa, let's say, right? And then across the columns, you list all the different things that you sell. So in the restaurant business, it might, you could even break it down, breakfast, lunch, dinner, or, or booze, whatever it is, however you want to break it down. And then what you can do, if, you're, if your software allows you to do this, you can put a, you could, you could color in the squares. So let's say John Adams always comes in for breakfast, but he's never in for lunch, never comes to happy hour, never buys apps, et cetera. And you go across. My, my contention is that in every single business, business, those, the, the number of squares that are colored are, are minimal at best. And if you look at that, so here I've got a client and the only reason they became a client or a customer is that they, is that you initially overcame the no like, and trust. So again, either marketing or they were referred in, but they said, okay, let's try it. Here's some of my money. Mm-hmm. You don't celebrate single transactions. You celebrate long, healthy, profitable relationships. So what do you do to nurture those relationships? First of all, one of the things that I like a lot is when we go to certain restaurants, oh, hey, Jim and Stephanie, I can barely remember my kids' names. How they do that, I don't know, Eric. <laughs> but it's like when when they say Jim and Stephanie, I mean, I feel like it's kind of like cheers, Norm, right? So that's a big thing. Have somebody at the door that remembers names. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there was this, they always made sure no matter where we got when we got there, no matter where we sat, there was this one wait- waitress. We really liked her. We actually got to know her story. She was a single mom. I mean, we related to her. It was an experience. Yes, we got a good meal. It wasn't the best meal in the world, but we loved going there. Could you imagine how many restaurants, if you could do that piece alone? So it's not about, uh, it's not even about lowering your food costs. It's not about expanding the menu with 25 new things. Imagine if every customer that walked in there felt like they were walking into to grandma's house or, you know, Aunt Mary's house and having a really good meal. Mm. How many times, how many more times would they come back? And how many times would they tell other people about that? Yeah, that's so powerful. And I'm sitting here listening to you talk and I'm just thinking of, uh, some services that I know that help you do exactly that. And uh, Upserve, you literally just described how Upserve works, which is this great service. It collects data and it will show you what people are getting every time they come in. Uh, not only your guests, but what your servers are selling, who's selling what. It literally breaks down your your restaurant so you can see what little tiniest little things that your your guests are coming to you for and then you just capitalize on that and uh get to know them it, it, it really just helps you get to know your guests and so you can best serve them like you're talking about just like you know building those relationships but then also you mentioned 
your guests coming in the door and then your host just knowing the name and exactly what they want. I mean, there's tools that exist out there, obviously like open table and just having a reservation book where you know some so-and-so is coming in, so that will help you. But there's also tools like No Way in Reserve that will allow your guests to engage with you before they ever walk into the door. So now you can anticipate these people, you can get all this information on them and better serve them and, and work on that impact like you're talking about. So great stuff. It, and it doesn't even have to be like a kajillion dollars worth of software. I read, um, I read uh, Hilton's book 20 years ago, and um, he talked about his competitors in the hotel industry. And there was one, rest, uh, there was one hotel that uh, Baron Hilton was always focused on. I forget. It was one of the big New York hotels. But every time someone walked up to the counter, they either said, welcome back or thank you for coming or one of those two things. And he was always observing. He actually sent spies in there. How are they doing that? How do they know when they, they walk up to the counter, they know to welcome back? And what they figured out is that the doorman said, is this your first time here mm-hmm. or, or are you, is this your, or no, we're, no, we've been here before. And the, as they walked in and the, they, people walked past the doorman, he would tug his ear like the old Carol oh, Bonet show. Remember? Awesome. He would tug his ear and somebody would just nod and they'd walk, welcome back. You yeah. know? And it was like that, that simple thing. And you're right. That re- one of the restaurants we like to, that she always knows, of course, Stephanie says I'm boring, but Jim, you had the half a rack of ribs. You know, last time you're gonna go with that or try something different. I'm just no, I really like that. You yeah. know, but they know exactly. Yeah. I mean, you you can't market that. You can market to get them in, but once you kill them with the experience, your business is gonna take off. Four walls marketing, my friend. There's no better time to market to your customers, to your guests when they're right in front of you. Just being genuine, authentic. Like authenticity is just so huge, and it's knowing that that. You, when they know that you just care and you're willing to go to those lengths to make them happy, there's no, uh, there's no better way to, to keep people coming back. This is turning out to be such a great interview. Jim, we're going to take a quick second to thank our sponsor. We'll be right back. Do you want to make your dream of owning a restaurant a reality? Then you must check out LivePlan. LivePlan makes business planning easy, allowing you to create an expert business plan so you can impress investors and get funded. LivePlan sets you up for success and takes care of the business details so you can spend more time focusing on your goals, such as creating a delicious menu, getting ready for your grand opening, and becoming the talk of the town. To learn more, visit liveplan.com slash unstoppable. Again, that's liveplan.com forward slash unstoppable. All right, we're back. And Jim, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, it starts with them coming in the door and when just asking, oh, have you been here? And welcome back. It's also really important that when they're going out the door, you take advantage to say, how was everything? And if they say something wasn't good, well, that's your opportunity right there to make it better, to write the end of the story and to, uh, I, th- I think I heard you say, Jim, uh, when you were in retail, when people were unhappy or steam was coming out of their ears when they walk in the door, like that was like your moment to shine. So why don't we talk about that, the importance of retention and just making the ability to write the end of the story and to make angry customers into raving fans. You really did your research. I remember telling that story about a hundred <laughs> times. So I used to be in the bicycle business and um, I became a store manager at 21. And, you know, I kind of learned by fire <clears throat> that when I saw a customer coming in with like a bent wheel or a flat tire or something, and you could see like this, you know, you could see they were upset. Most of the people ran because who wants to deal with a, a hothead, right? Yeah. 
I knew <clears throat> it took me a while, but I actually got so good at it. I knew this is going to become a raving fan mm-hmm. because I had this thing. I first of all said, how are you doing today? I can, I, well, actually, I can see you're a little upset. I want you. To, how can I help you? And he goes, blah, 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 blah. And he, let's say, and I would never try and interrupt him. I'd let him at least blow steam for a second. I said, um, and I'd try and remember his name. So you're Mr. Smith, right? Yep. Uh, first of all, Mr. Smith, I, I want you to know you're going to leave here a very satisfied customer. So I'm going to, I want to dig into what's wrong. I'm going to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have you walking out of here very happy. Is that yeah. fair? And Eric, I'm telling you, most of the people didn't believe me or they, it's like, but, 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 you know, so (laughs) instantly. And so how do I know they're going to leave happy? Because I will do whatever it takes to turn that customer into a raving fan. In my book, Stick Like Glue, I give several examples. I'll give one now. So I did see a guy walk in with a, with a, the, holding the front wheel of his kid's bike. I happen to know he bought that bike less than five weeks or uh, five days ago. And, you know, when you work in a bicycle store, it's like buying a it's like buying a camera in a camera store versus Walmart. A bike store bicycle always sell, sells for more than it does if you go to Kmart or Walmart, right? So, when especially when somebody <clears throat> excuse me when somebody buys a kid's bicycle, you know they're putting out some bucks. So they're like, this thing should be bulletproof. Yeah. <laughs> so he's coming in with the wheel, and I can see him. And the wheel, as I'm looking at it, is round, 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 all the way up to a point where there's like a V. <laughs> And I've seen this so many times. And he goes, I, yeah, so here I go. I went and spent $180 on this bike. I'm sure I could have got the same bike for 79 bucks. And the friggin' wheel's defective. And he's hot. And I said, well, Mr. Smith, first of all, I want you to know I'm going to take care of you. You're going to leave here a very happy customer. Uh, is that fair? Yes. Okay. Can you come outside with me for a minute? Here, let me have the wheel. And we walk outside. And I take the wheel, Eric, and in our, in our parking lot is a curb. Yeah. And I lay the wheel down on the curb, and it's a perfect match. Because <laughs> <laughs> the kid goes, boom, right into the curb, right? Yeah. And um, you could see the guy, and he's still upset. But I think if I read him right, his his upsetness, if that's a word, is shifting from me and the bike to his kid. Yeah. And I said – John, I, you know, can I call you John? Of course. Listen, I, I'm not sure your, your, your son told you the whole story, but I think this kind of points out what happened. I think he was going maybe uncomfortable with the brakes, whatever, but he went right into the curb. He bent it. This cannot be fixed. But I told you you're going to leave here happy. Let's get the bike out of the car. I'm going to put a brand new wheel on for you. What the hell is that going to cost me? I said, absolutely nothing. And he like wouldn't believe me. And um, so I take it in the back and the mechanics who are, let's say they're not as schooled as I am in client retention say, that's not defective. We're going to eat that. And I said, put the wheel on. Don't give me any crap. Just put the wheel on. Yeah. So, so he leaves very, very happy. I'll cut to the, cut to the chase. Mm-hmm. I have to go into the mechanics after it calms down. And Jim, you just cost us like 60 bucks. I said, no, I didn't. The $60 wheel costs us about 30, right? Ha- yeah. Half a group. And I said, that guy is so happy. I guarantee you within the next two, three months, we're going to sell at least one more bike from him. Yeah. Okay. I just know it. You don't know that. I said, well, by the way, we buy so many bikes. I'm going to present this wheel to, to the manufacturer anyway and said, look, this isn't a defect, mm-hmm. but I'm doing it for customer service. Will you cover me? Some did and some didn't. But the way I looked at it, Eric, and, and this was, let's get to the point of restaurant tours. If somebody has a bad experience, don't give them a 10% off coupon on their next visit. Take their meal off the ticket. Mm-hmm. 
And you go, oh, my God. Well, you have to make it right. Instant gratification. Yeah. And what I said is I could never buy for $30 the kind of marketing and satisfaction that I just delivered. And I'll tell you this. And I wrote this in the book. And it's absolutely true. Within the next month or two, we sold like three more bikes due to that. Two to, to this man and one to his neighbor's neighbor walked in and said, yeah, John Smith sent me. I don't know what I'm looking for, but he said this is the only place I should buy my bike. Mm-hmm. 30 bucks that cost me. Wow. That I mean, that's just a great example. And I, I think sometimes we get caught up in this industry about who's right and who's wrong. And we it's like a, a game over just like per, pride. I don't know what it is, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. It, it just doesn't matter. It matters what that person feels, how they feel. Did they get value at the end of the day? Are they, are they, are they leaving happy? And when you see an opportunity to make somebody who's totally pissed off <laughs> into a raving customer, like those are like, like Danny Meyer says, opportunities to write the end of the story. And it's just focus on making people happy and don't worry about who's right and who's wrong. And they, they could be way like just delusional, but as long as they come back and they bring their friends, that's at the end of the day what matters. So when I was in the franchise business, I was, um, it was kind of new. We actually started franchising the bike business, went from 14 stores to 80 stores. I was charged with training the new franchisees. I remember telling stories like that to people who were new to retailing. There was this one guy who was uh, at the time, probably fifties, uh, kind of an early retiree banker. So he kind of looked like Mr. Drysdale, kind of a stuffed shirt, if you will. So now he's going to be retailing. He's going to be out front. And he goes, Jim, you've given us several examples. And I'll tell you this. I do believe in right and wrong. And when the customer's right, they're right. And if they're wrong, they're wrong. Now, I'll be polite and I'll teach them all about why they're wrong so it can help them. Blah, blah, blah. He goes, and he just stood there and he says, and I was quiet. And he goes, well, what do you think of that? And I said, well, it's completely wrong. He goes, why? I said, you can be right but I guarantee you 100% your bank deposits will be smaller. (laughs) (laughs) It's not about, it's not about who's right or wrong. It's about building your business. Exactly. And uh, one thing that I I heard you mention during my research is the ripple effect. And I feel like this is a a great time to to bring that up now. And I mean, it's kind of exactly what we're talking about, but explain the ripple effect. So I have this thing and it it, it has to do with customers. It also has to do with uh, team members who don't work out. Mm -hmm. If somebody, if you cannot save or rescue or in any way make this relationship better and it's going to mean you're parting ways, I have a thing called no ripple effect. I had it back in the 80s. But I'll tell you today when you got Twitter and and all this social media, that ripple effect is like a thousand times faster. Yeah. I mean, like Yelp. Mm. I have, I have a buddy in the plumbing business and he, somebody wrote this very nasty thing and it was all, he said, it's all untrue. What do I do? I said, well, we, we have to address it. You can't just let it hang yep. there. So we addressed it and we said, well, I did give you an opportunity. I said I would come back. All I did is give me a day. I'll come back and make it right. I guess you chose not to do that. I mean, we wrote it in a way that, you know, so you can neutralize that. But no ripple effect means that if we're going to part ways, I don't even so much as want to ripple. Uh, let me think what it was, Eric, about a month ago, somebody interviewed me. And he said, uh, Jim, I was I was uh, looking at you doing research. I also Googled you. He says, I Google all my guests. I can't find well, – I hope I don't jinx myself. I, I can't find one negative thing <laughs> about you online. And I said, that first of all, I'm happy about that, but that is purposeful. If I have a client that w- – one of my businesses or whatever and it's not going to work out, I will wish them well. Mm-hmm. I will make sure even if we decide it's not a good fit. I will absorb whatever needs to be absorbed. I will fall on my sword. It's not about me being right and them being wrong. It's about no ripple effect. Mm-hmm. 
And now, is it possible to have a positive ripple effect? Well, sure. Yeah. What we just talked about, exactly. like I, I, the wheel, mm-hmm. I totally made that guy happy, and yeah. that ripple effect made me four more bike sales. So, so there's, I'm, yeah, you know. So thanks for asking, Eric. I'm talking about a negative ripple yeah. effect, not a positive ripple so effect. When, just think about every day, every person you touch. Just think about sending those positive ripples out, and anytime you think there's an opportunity or even a chance of a negative ripple, do whatever you can to nip that ripple in the butt. Like stop it because if it gets out there and People they they search for for negative things. They want they they look for reasons not to come to you. That's what they're looking for. They don't look for good reasons. Most of the time, they're looking for reasons not to come to you. So don't give them an opportunity to have that that bad reason to not come to you. So, do you know Do you know Eric why um, most restaurants or any businesses do not subscribe to this make it right mentality? It's because the owner may have it, but if the owner's not on the floor or on the front lines, whatever it looks like, the team members. They, unless they're trained and empowered to do that, they are always looking out for their boss. Mm-hmm. They are, they, they feel like it's, I should be, yeah, I'm going to give good service, but I've got to protect my boss and his business and the profits. So what I tell people is, and I'll, I'll never be the bottle work. Everybody that works for me that's, that does client ser- service, they can do anything they want to make a customer happy, and I'll never second-guess them. If I hear about something, I may say, well, that's good. Thanks for doing that. Let me give you some other ideas so if it happens again. So, but I always want them to do what's right. Most customer uh, people that are interacting on the front lines – they don't understand that a short-term loss in profits will almost always transfer into a much longer, more profitable business. Mm-hmm. So to me, I'm always willing to take the short hit because I know in the long run it's going to pay dividends. Yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, that 80% of your profits come from 20% of your guests. So if you can increase that number, like if you can, the more repeat guests you get, like – the the impact that has on profitability is just mind boggling. Like, so you just got to focus on that. But uh, one of the things I've noticed, kind of like a reoccurring theme to, the, to today's episode, to this conversation, is uh, in this discussion of four walls marketing is just that impact and uh, in creating these relationships and really focusing on just showing people you care when they're right in front of you. But to, in today's age, we got to take this conversation. We got to take it into the you know online and into the internet. So what is your advice? What are the platforms that we should be on that are most impactful? And I'll just let you take it. There's so many. I mean, and it's different for every business and it's different for what you feel comfortable with. For me and my business, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn are probably the three platforms we do uh, best in. Uh, but I'm also, I've been doing videos for six years. I started in July, 2009 doing weekly videos, have never missed a week. And somebody may go, goodness gracious, never missed a week. Well, how, how does, why is that a good use of your time? Well, it should be self-evident, <laughs> but videos are so powerful. It's a way to get people to know who you are and, and to, and to share with you, uh, and for them to get to know you. But, um, there are there are so many things coming down the pike with video now with Periscope and other live live streaming. Um, it's a it's a really cool thing. The the ability to make a connection with your customers and future prospects and things like that has never been more powerful. But the there there's such a plethora of platforms. You have to pick the ones you feel most comfortable in. And, and for me, that's Facebook. You know, I have both my regular page, my fan page. We have uh, other pages for different products. So the lesson there is one size doesn't fit all. You you have to meet people where they are. Uh, for a while, I was really big on Pinterest. I, I didn't know the first darn thing about it. 
But um, my daughter, when she was getting married, I saw her doing Pinterest with my wife, wedding dresses, cakes, and all that. And she's like, Dad, you got to be doing Pinterest. I said, I-, I don't think so. She goes, well, let me do it for you then. Sure enough, uh, Pinterest is all about visual, right? So she started making these custom infographics. I call it eye candy for entrepreneurs. So it's not just a, a text quote like you might put on Facebook, but it's like a visual could be square, could be really long, like a poster. Yep. It has all this cool stuff. And people look at that, and if they like it, they click on it, and then that would take you to your blog or something. And sure enough, it, it worked really, really well. So there's a lot of different things, but like you said, Eric, you have to pick the two or three that, number one, will most resonate with your customers, but where you also feel most comfortable operating in. Absolutely. And I think for the restaurant <laughs> professional, for restaurants, uh it's definitely Facebook. We'll get into the reasons why. Um, Instagram is huge. And again, anything that's visual, so like Periscope, which is that live video. Blab is another one. I don't know if it's going to really take over into the restaurant world, but again, it's video. Um, and the one thing that I think is really exciting is Anchor. I don't know what you know about Anchor, Jim. Have you heard of Anchor? I have not. Oh, F- well, fill me in. So just uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. But the, the reason why I mentioned Facebook, Periscope, Blab, Anchor, these things is because I think maybe five, six years ago, people were, were measuring their success on social media by how many followers you had, right? Right. If they just saw that number, oh, I have – it's that social evidence, that, so, that social proof. But how many of those followers are actually engaging with you? And I see some people on Twitter with maybe like 80,000 followers, but – it's so diluted. Like, are you really impacting every one of those 80,000 followers? Or do you have 200 followers that you talk to every day? And are those 200 people showing up to your restaurant every day? So what Facebook did in the past few years is they, they reformatted their, their algorithms to only really allow you to see what's going on with people that you interact with. So it's, it's more meaningful, right? So it's more impactful. Again, this theme that we've been talking about this entire time is that impact. So Facebook has made the changes. Twitter's kind of getting diluted. Gary V talks a lot about this. Gary Vaynerchuk, if you're not familiar, amazing marketer. Um, He talks about how there's just so much noise out there. But these other tools like Periscope and Blab, what they allow people to do is to comment to to you and with you while you're talking. So now that's interactive. That's impactful. What do you think about that? And then I'll talk about Anchor. I think it's great. But, you know, here's the thing. And I like what you said about um, 80,000 followers. Well, you know, to me, it's like, well, how's that working out for you? You know, <laughs> um, so I've written six books in six years. Uh, none of them have been a New York Times bestseller, and that's okay with me because they've helped me build a very nice coaching yep. business. Um, so what I tell people is um, when I teach people how to write a book, well, how do you get a bestseller? I said, well, why do you want to be a bestseller? Because I think that'll grow my business. I said, it won't. Mm-hmm. If you want, if you know, I don't know how many t- how many books you need to sell to be a New York, t- New York Times bestseller. Let's just say it's 20,000. I probably sold 20,000 books over six books. Mm-hmm. So, But the thing is, like you said, you have to make a connection with as many people as you need to connect with to grow a profitable business. And it's there's always more, but to a certain extent, that more, all that other stuff is not going to help you. That's the that's almost like the gross for vanity. That's all for vanity. Yeah. I, I I am not one for ego. I didn't start my business for ego. I started my business to first of all get me out of a financial bind and then provide for retirement and things like that. So if I can do that selling, you know, five or ten thousand or 8,000 books on average, oh, that makes me happy because mm-hmm. I make real connections with those people who read my books because then they go to my blogs, they start watching videos. A certain number of them will connect with me through coaching or through whatever. And then a certain number of those people will turn into paying clients. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And I'm, I'm not saying if you have a ton of Twitter followers, it's bad, but it's, I'm saying if to get to that level, you have to focus on that impact. You have to really help people. It happens over time. And don't go out and buy followers. My phone is ringing in the background. <laughs> I always okay. have it silent. I didn't hear Hold it. Hold on one second. <laughs> I'm going I'm to silent it. All right. Okay, I'm back. We'll just chop that up during the editing process. <laughs> okay. Um, so where was I? Um, imp- like, if, if you focus on impact, those things will come. But you don't want the numbers to be your end game. You want to you want to focus on making those real connections with people. Um, and as far as Anchor goes, this is a really great audio. It's it's kind of like how do you explain it? So it's a way for you to to record your thoughts and your stories, right? And then have people react and comment. So it's like a, like a dialogue takes place going back and forth where you're recording your voice. And that's super impactful. And, and I've connected with people in Australia just sharing stories. And the other thing that's really important or, and great about Anchor is we we are people of story. Like people are – we. it's ingrained in us to tell story and to learn through story. That's what word of mouth marketing is, right? And it, g- it gives you a chance to tell a story like a really unique, I think just audio in general, general, just, I'm not the best at explaining this, but I know the impact of story and the impact of, uh, engaging people with audio. Uh, and you can do it and you can listen to it while you're driving down the car. You're like, you can just, it's just, I don't know. I'm not really doing a great job at selling this gym, but uh, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, here's the thing. All these things that we're talking about, whether it's, uh, Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn, or your podcasts, or videos, or books, all this different stuff is designed to do what? It's designed to build your business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I teach a thing called the Million Dollar Platform. So there are several things that you need to do as an entrepreneur to attract the right audience. And the reason for that is, and people go, well, if you really know your the avatar, your perfect customer profile, well, that's true. But if you have somebody that for example, likes to read books. Well, do they like to read books? Do they like to hold a book? Do they prefer to read a Kindle? Maybe an electronic book, PDF? Do they like an audio book? I mean, what's that? Four options that fall under book, right? Mm -hmm. Do people like to consume information online or do they like to print it out? Do people like to listen to podcasts? I'm a fan of podcasting. Some people love videos. When I go for information, like I need to learn how to do something, I don't want to download a manual. I want to go to YouTube and have somebody show me. I guarantee there's somebody can teach you how to do anything on YouTube. The point is uh, there are a lot of people like me who would, in other words, be the perfect um, restaurant customer, but I consume information on different ways. I'm sure my neighbor probably doesn't even know what YouTube is. So he consumes information. Yeah, I haven't gotten a paper in years. My neighbor across the street loves his paper. People consume information differently. And that's why you can't just pick one or two things. You have to have a, a, a an assortment of marketing strategies mm-hmm. and they all work together. Not one of them is going to be, oh, this one's great. So stop doing this one. They all work. You know, the greatest way to uh, make a million dollars, it's to cobble together several different revenue streams. One may be the giant source. Maybe you make 600 grand with one. And then you got a company that does 50 grand. Or you got one that does 20 grand. This one does, you know, 80 grand. You put them all together and you can make a million bucks. Yeah. And uh, I think just to add on to what you're saying on like being on multiple platforms, start with the end in mind. Think about w- who you want your restaurant to appeal to. Figure out, create that demographic, that target market, and then find out where they are and then work backwards from there. And that will help you kind of figure out where you should be because you don't want to also waste your time on platforms. Like if you opened a restaurant, you don't want to be on LinkedIn because 
your your guests aren't going to be on LinkedIn going to connect with you. So they think like that. I mean, you maybe if you're an executive chef, you want to be a LinkedIn so you can market yourself for a potential job in the future. But you, you've got to think about who your people are, where they are, and then start there and work backwards. Uh, so this has been a great chat, Jim. Is there anything uh, that you think you we can just add to this conversation? Anything that was right at the top of your, you know, the tip of your tongue that you wanted to share before we wrap things up? There's a um, there's something I teach my clients, and it's, it totally applies to restaurateurs as well. You will earn infinitely more money for who you are than what you do. You'll earn infinitely more money for who you are than what you do. Now, what that means is it's not always about the deliverable. It's about your reputation, creating celebrity for yourself or your restaurant. You know, it's more about you attracting people based a little bit on an intangible because that makes it harder for for uh, your competitors to to go to you. You know what I mean? So you got to have good food. I, I totally get that. But it's not always about the deliverable. It's about the relationship that you have. And in, in the mind of prospects, it's about the perceived relationship you have if they haven't experienced it yet. So if I was if I was going to open up a restaurant today, I, I would I would want to have obviously the best location, wait staff, food, etc. But I would work like the devil to turn myself into a local celebrity. Mm-hmm. So people and then, you know, obviously you're gonna have to be there and people, you know, pat you on the back they say hi and you, and you cater to them it's all about the experience and it's always about the relationships absolutely it's so much less about the food than i'm guaranteeing most restaurateurs think yeah and at the end of the day people make purchases they make emotional purchases they don't make like analytical purchases they think with their heart with how, they want to know that when they're spending their money someplace how does that make me look how does this make my personal brand look when i'm here uh is it is this restaurant about something that i care about is it is it tap does it tap into these emotions like you're talking about like uh it's just, it's so important thank you for bringing that up i think that's a great way to end today's uh conversation so before i let you go jim um how can we connect with you what do you got going on is there any opportunities my my listeners should know about in regards to you what you got going on so the home base is getjimpalmer.com, www.getjimpalmer.com. From there, you can find my blog, my, my podcast, Stick Like Lou Radio, my videos, all the books and things are there. Uh, the, the book that I wrote um, last year called Decide, The Ultimate Success Trigger, um, that is a book that really speaks to mindset, which is what we spent a lot of time mm-hmm. talking about. I'm actually still in um, not grand opening mode, but I actually never took it down. If, I, if people want to get a free copy of the book, it's a real book, real paperback book. Uh, you, you, you can get it at decideforsuccessbook.com, decideforsuccessbook.com. Uh, the only thing you'll do is pay six ninety five shipping and handling. But this book, if you're struggling, there's a reason for that. It's probably it may be something else, but my guess is ninety percent of the time or more, it's going to be uh, what's going on between your ears, not what's going on on your uh, skillet. Absolutely. And I'll have all those links in the show notes. Just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash two thirty nine. And you'll find, again, the links right there are a summary of today's conversation and how to connect with Jim Palmer. Jim, uh, I wrap up every episode by having my guest call somebody out. So who is one person? Uh, usually I have my guest call an indie restaurant professional that they admire. But you know so many people in the marketing world, uh, somebody that maybe can come talk to my audience. Who's one person you think I should get on the show to uh, be a guest mentor? I was going to suggest my greatest mentor, but I know he doesn't do interviews. <laughs> I was going to, I was going to, but if it's somebody that would, would come on your show, um, let me think for a second. Think uh, small business and uh, maybe marketing uh, some kind of niche where we can all be better after listening. 
I would go ask Bob Berg, the go-giver. Oh, that would be amazing. And you know him personally? I do. Oh, man, if you could help me set that up, I would be in debt to you, my friend. Okay. <laughs> All right. Look out, Bob. I'm Bob Burr, right? Bob Berg, B-U-R-G. Yes, Bob Berg. Look out. I am coming after you. Would love to get you on the show. Jim Palmer, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to join us, to, to make us all a little bit better. There's no questioning. You are unstoppable. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you guys enjoyed it. So a couple of things before I let you go. I'm now offering free one-on-one 15-minute chats. If you want to get inspired, if you need to get just a little motivation, or if you have some questions about some of the things we talked about on the show, you can now chat with me for free 15 minutes. Head over to Restaurant Unstoppable to find the links. Don't forget that we have a complete list of all the books and resources our past guests have recommended. These are the books they read, the resources and tools they're using in their restaurant, the tools that are helping them be successful. A whole list archived right there at restaurantunstoppable.com. Don't forget to use my links if you really want to give back to the show. If you want to show your appreciation for all these episodes I'm putting out, the best way to support the show is to simply use my links when you discover something new that can help you in your restaurant. Thank you in advance. Also, keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. And I can't finish without reminding you to keep those emails coming. I love your emails. They fire me up. They keep me going. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me what you love about the show. Tell me anything. I'm here for you. Just shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. All right, that's all we have for today. I hope you're enjoying this journey as much as I am. Thanks again for joining me. Until next time, peace out. Peace out.